Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results, like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. Compatibility. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscored team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscored.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Getting you ready for the day in sports betting, this is Point Spread Sunday on VSAN, the sports betting network. Good morning. Welcome to Point Spread Saturday here on Visa and the Sports Betting Network as we conclude round two of the NCAA tournament. On to the Sweet 16 we go. Of course, we still have some NBA action, NFL news to get to as well, and we'll do it all here this morning on Point Spread Saturday. I'm Mark Zeno. Thank you so much for joining me as we conclude. Round two of the NCAA tournament today. Eight games on the schedule. We'll break down all eight of them for you. We'll be joined by Greg Hoops-Peterson coming up on the show as we look forward to the eight games on this slate today. But we start today with recapping yesterday's action uh, as we have half of the Sweet 16 set. And certainly it was a day action-packed, starting with the first game on the schedule between UNC and Baylor. And what a game it was yesterday. We gave you the over. That certainly hit in, a hit in regulation, even though the game does go to overtime. And it was interesting, again, because I was somebody who stayed off the side in that game for the specific reason that UNC, as good of a shooting team as they were, I felt like they shot over their heads in their first-round game against Marquette and didn't know and didn't think it could continue against a very good Baylor defense. Well, I was wrong. <laughs> UNC shot the lights out once again. They jump out to this huge lead 
and almost blow the biggest lead in NCAA tournament history. A 25-point lead evaporates, and Baylor is able to push this thing into overtime. And UNC survives and advances uh, and covers the number as the underdog. And again, certainly this thing went way over the total uh, as it did in regulation of, of 148 and a half. And then by the time it was in overtime, we, we were way past that. But nonetheless, congratulations to the Tar Heels. I'm actually somewhat impressed. Uh, I thought this team was going to be somebody who was going to get bounced in the first round. Uh, clearly, again, uh, they can shoot and they can score. Uh, and, and between Amanda Baku and uh, Baco, or however you say his last name, uh, and, and Davis, J.D. Davis, who has got that 30 last night, he was amazing. Uh, this is a team right now that if they continue to shoot this well, um, they're going to find themselves in the conversation for the Final Four going forward. So UNC advances on, uh, withstands the biggest comeback possibly in NCAA history. And they defeat number one Baylor, the first one seed to fall. Uh, the Baylor Bears, you know, a couple of weeks ago on the show, we did mention, I thought Baylor was probably a little bit overrated. Um, it was one of the talking points I had. I think it was the game against Kansas where uh, they were favored against Kansas. They ended up winning that game at home, and I took Kansas plus the points. So I was on the wrong side of it, but I just felt like Baylor was, uh, was, was getting a little bit too much attention as the defending national champions. And uh, this, this doesn't necessarily validate that, but uh, when you shoot as well as UNC does, you're going to beat a lot of teams. Uh, a couple of other games that I thought obviously were worth mentioning, St. Peter's, the third 15 seed to get to the Sweet 16 as they defeat Murray State last night. They joined Oral Roberts from last year and Florida Gulf Coast from back in 2012, 2011 as 2013, uh, excuse me, to get to this Sweet 16. I don't want to take anything away from St. Peter's. Uh, again, statistically, their defense is very, very good. Um, but there is a certain amount of luck that you need when you're a 15 seed to win two NCAA tournament games back-to-back -back against higher-seeded teams, particularly, again, a number two seed. You get a Kentucky team that's defense just fell apart in a game where a St. Peter's team that averages 65 points a game ended up scoring mid-70s in regulation. And then, of course, they get near 80 uh, in overtime against Kentucky to defeat them. And then you have a Murray State team that normally, one of the best shooting teams in the country, that shoots 46% from the field on average for the season. They only shoot 34% when you play St. Peter's. And that's part of the reason why Murray State could never really get a lead and hold on to it uh, and could never separate. And this is a Murray State defense that normally gives up 62, 63 points a game. They give up 70. It's that kind of combination which you need to happen, which typically doesn't happen to a good team like Murray State, and it certainly doesn't happen to a team like Kentucky uh, on any regular given basis. Those games are sort of the anomaly. And again, I don't want to take anything away from St. Peter's. If you back St. Peter's the first two rounds, congratulations. I'm glad you cashed your tickets. But when you just objectively talk about 15 seeds getting to this spot, they need a certain amount of luck um, and things that don't normally happen to happen in games, and they got it back-to-back. -back. So congratulations to St. Peter's as they move on. Uh, Michigan advances to the fifth straight Sweet 16 with a 76-68 win over number 3 Tennessee. Uh, this game was a game that made me want to throw up my mouth as I backed Tennessee yesterday, and they go 2 of 18 from beyond the arc. Uh, and uh, again, the narratives are flying around yesterday on social media right after the game is over. Rick Barnes stinks. Rick Barnes choke. Rick Barnes this. Guys, Rick Barnes had nothing to do with that yesterday. You had a team that's one of the best three-point shooting teams in the nation miss a whole bunch of threes and thought that they were going to eventually fall and shoot their way out of it, and it didn't happen. 
now, could you blame Rick Barnes for not having this team adjust? And yeah, it was a little bit frustrating because Tennessee has the athletes to get inside. Tennessee has, uh, you know, the, the, the players that could have changed the outcome of this game and they just didn't adjust. Do you want to blame Rick Barnes for that? Sure. I'm not going to sit here and buy into that narrative. Um, and again, it's easy. I think it's lazy. You know, and I said it yesterday, you know, if the only thing you've got to bet against Tennessee is to fade Rick Barnes at this point, uh, you know, that's just not a, a way I would handicap, period. Um, you know, I think there are certain situations where you can use a handicap like that or at least put it in your handicap. Tennessee was too strong metrically and they were too strong statistically all season long for me to think that was a game that they couldn't have pulled away. And, and it looked like they were going to do it at several points. They were leading by six, leading by seven. And I thought they were really going to open it up and pull away. And they never did. Uh, and you give credit to Michigan, Juwan Howard and company uh, for, for being able to, to stay with them and then take a lead, never look back. I mean, you know, like I'm not taking anything away from Michigan. Although, again, full disclosure, I thought Michigan was getting bounced in the first round of this tournament by Colorado State. So, uh, you know, here we are, Michigan in the Sweet 16. Congratulations to them. And the other pick that went south for us yesterday was Arkansas, uh, also laying that six, six and a half, depending on what you got it at, uh, against New Mexico State. I mean, that was a game that set basketball back 30 years. It was just an awful, awful, awful display of shooting by both of these teams. It was pathetic to watch. It really, really was. Um, and, you know, Arkansas, again, at other points in this game, looked like they were going to pull away. They had that stretch run at the end of the first half um, where they ended up leading by 13. They give up a four-point play with under two seconds left, which was, you know, head coach of uh, Arkansas, Eric Musselman, was disgusted about at his halftime interview, as was I as, as an Arkansas backer. Um, and, and, and then, you know, in the second half, they get four points. And I think in the first 10 minutes of the second half, Arkansas only scored four points. I mean, it was just an awful shooting game all around. Uh, there was a point where Arkansas was leading by six with under two minutes left. And I'm like, here we go. They're going to end up pulling away in this thing. They'll get free throws and we'll end up getting a cover. Did not happen. New Mexico State hangs around. Uh, Arkansas only wins by five. And there we go. So uh, we were on the wrong side of that one yesterday. Two other games were on the right side of uh, Creighton. Pushes Kansas to the limit, and Kansas wins. Uh, Creighton was getting double digits, so somewhere in the 11 and a half, 12 numbers we were seeing out there. Uh, but Kansas survives and advances. And Providence, a team that we backed yesterday, on another short number. And I kept telling all my friends, I'm going to ride this Providence train uh, until it stops at the station. I'm going to ride this wave until it crashes. As long as Arkansas is seeing short numbers, uh, I'm going to back them. Uh, I, I just, there's no reason for me not to. And I suspect that when Arkansas and Kansas meet, uh, and I haven't even checked the lines yet, but uh, I, I assume that Arkansas is probably a three-and-a-half, four-point underdog against Kansas in this game, and I'll back him again. Uh, might even take him on the money line. But I, I will ride this Providence team for as much as people said that they were lucky and they were a team that that uh, you know didn't deserve to be there. Um, you know, based off of, of metrics and everything else, well, guess what? They are there. And so uh, Providence has been fun to back for me. I give credit to them for being in close games. They know how to wade their way through those tight moments and don't get nervous. And so they move on as well. Um, credit to UCLA. Uh, St. Mary's did not play their best game uh, at all. Um, defensively, I thought they were okay. Offensively, they were just bad. Uh, never could get in any rhythm. Uh, and UCLA, a team that I talked about with the Pac-12 a lot, um, is in the Sweet 16, and I think that they're deservedly so there. I just thought St. Mary's was going to play better. Uh, I backed St. Mary's yesterday as a dog for a small play, and it just it, it didn't it didn't end up going the way I thought it was going to. The game script sort of worked out defensively, but St. Mary's offensively could never get anything going. And to me, it was just they they came up a little bit short, um, and and UCLA pulls away at the end and made it look a lot. 
you know, the, the 72 56 final made it look a lot bigger than the game actually was. It was fairly much back and forth uh, for the most part. And then finally, the late game last night, uh, Gonzaga and Drew Tinnah. Uh, Gonzaga struggling in the first half with Memphis, and, and you thought it was going to be upset City again, uh, and Amprey Hardaway was going to dance it to the Sweet 16. But it was Drew Timmy, just an explosion in the second half. He kind of said, I had enough of this stuff, and boom. 24-point uh, outburst in the second half. Gonzaga uh, goes on to pull away and win. Now, they don't cover uh, the game as they win only by four. But uh, Memphis gave them all they could handle and more. But it was impressive to watch Gonzaga. A 51-point second half uh, is where they, they were able to pull away and end up moving on into the Sweet 16. And they're going to take on an Arkansas team, which is a matchup I'm definitely looking forward to because you keep waiting for Arkansas through these two games to play like they've played all year long and they haven't done it yet. Uh, and this is a spot where Gonzaga is probably going to be looking at a bigger number than what we normally would expect uh, by the Sweet 16 against another high seed. And it could be a spot where Arkansas, if they can finally show up and play the game, you think they're going to play, uh, maybe able to give Gonzaga a run for their but we'll see how the numbers shake out. Okay, of course, we'll take a look at some of those spreads coming up later on in the show. I'm going to handicap all eight games that are on the college basketball slate today. Again, we got some NBA games going on as well, some plays that I'll have in the NBA later on today as well. We've got lots to do here on Point Spread Saturday. Make sure you guys keep it locked in here all day long. Everything coming up with the NCAA tournament. All right, coming up next, uh, the first four games of the day, we will handicap those next. And again, before the end of this hour, uh, we will get into some NFL as the news continues to move around uh, here as we look at uh, a bunch of quarterbacks shifting all over the NFL. Lots to do here on Point Spread Sunday. I'm Mark Zinno. Appreciate you joining me here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. We'll be right back. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. <laughs> like, what did we do? It's so slow. Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. 
Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation vlogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. This is Point Spread Sunday on VSEN, the Sports Betting Network. Look your best and draft your best with Just for Men March Basketball Series. Draft a winning lineup in two free-to-play contests for your shot at a share of $10,000 in total prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash JFM now to join the action. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Welcome back into Point Spread Sunday here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. I am Mark Zeno. As I get my days correct finally, it is Point Spread Sunday, not Point Spread Saturday. I'm still reliving the glory that was round two of the NCAA tournament, but we have eight games on the schedule today. Uh, we're going to get to all of them here before the end of the show. And of course, in the final segment, final segment rather, I will give you all of my picks for the, the day as uh, we conclude round two of the NCAA tournament, move on to the Sweet 16. Coming up here in a little more than 15 minutes, we'll get some NFL talk and try to project some of these lines that may move based off of where the quarterback, quarterback carousel will spin and stop. So uh, we'll do that coming up here uh, in the next segment. But let's get to the games on the schedule for today. Um, we'll take them in chronological order with the first game being between number five Houston and number four Illinois. And probably for me, what I thought was the toughest game of the day to handicap as you get the higher seeded team, Illinois, catching four and a half points here uh, with a total of 133 and a half. You know, Houston, I've said for a while, is one of the most complete teams in this entire tournament. They have the number four scoring uh, defense, the number 39 scoring offense. You know, Illinois is is offensively top 50 in every category. But these are two great rebounding teams. They're also two great shooting teams. Um, and, and as good as Illinois is rebounding, Houston's actually number three in offensive rebounding. Uh, this is a very athletic team. They have a lot of size. You know, Illinois shoots the three great. Uh, number 47 in the country, they're over 36% from three. You know, and really, I think the matchup in this game relies between Kofi Cockburn of Illinois, who averages 21 and 10, uh, against the front line of Houston of Fabian White Jr. and Josh Carlton, like the, the bigs for Houston. How much can they match up against Kofi? Uh, and I, I've said for a while with him, the reason why I, I could back Illinois uh, in certain spots, and especially today, you know, I, I think today is kind of one of those things where you can look at Illinois in a money line situation because Kofi can just take over games. He's that big of a player. Uh, and you look at the 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 other role players for Illinois, Alfonso Plummer, the guard who averages 15 points a game. You know, this is a pretty complete team. They just have the ability to lay some stinkers. Now, I don't like Illinois 
as a favorite, um, but I do like them as a dog. So I lean on Illinois in this spot, and I don't think you're wrong for taking a money line play on Illinois. It's probably pretty sneaky today, depending on what price you get it at, where you get some good value here. But, you know, again, Houston objectively is so good on both ends of the floor. And in their first round game, um, the way Houston played against UAB and the offensive explosion, which they had in the pace at which they played is something that gives me pause because Illinois um, this year, it seems that they have played better against better opponents. Offensively, they've been better against better opponents. When they've played ranked teams, you're seeing them score in the mid-70s into the 80s for the most part. I know they played a game against Michigan State this year while Michigan State was ranked. It was like a 56-55 final. Um, I think they got blown out by Purdue at one point where they only scored in the low 60s. But for the most part, if you go down their record, you're looking at an Illinois team that plays up to the level of their competition. They're in a good spot today as a dog. Um, I, I can, Again, I can back them, but... It's hard to bet against Houston with how complete that they are as a team. Um, they are they are very good on both ends of the floor. So it's a really, really tough game to handicap. You put a gun to my head, I lean on Illinois. Certainly I'll take the points with them. Um, but it's not going to surprise me if Houston comes out and wins this game by five or six. So um, no official play on this side. But again, I lean on Illinois here. Let's go to the second game on the schedule between number seven, Ohio State, and number two, Villanova. Wildcats laying five and, again, a low total of 132. Now, Ohio State gets past Loyola University of Chicago in a 54-41 game um, that looked more like a, a mid-major contest than anything else. Loyola shoots 28% in that game. Uh, in case you haven't noticed, that's not them. Ohio State, who was one of the better three-point shooting teams in the nation, they went one for 15 from three in that contest. That's not going to cut it because this is an Ohio State that shoots 36% from three um, throughout the year. And, and this is where the matchup really resides for me. Villanova is great defensively, and particularly they're great defensively on the perimeter. They're at 35th in America in three-point field goal percentage defense. They're going to be able to limit Ohio State. Again, Ohio State won a game with 54 points. That's not supposed to happen all that often uh, in college basketball. Nova themselves, a good three-point shooting team, uh, 36%. They shot 51% from three from Delaware, which is why they scored 80 points. I was on the under in the Villanova-Delaware game, and they did exactly what I expected them to do to Delaware's offense and shut them down. I just didn't think Villanova was getting to 80 in that game. Um, I'd lean on the under here again. That under in that game was between Villanova and Delaware was 133.5. This one at 132. Uh, and this is a Villanova team that's very good at taking care of the basketball. They're 15th in America in fewest turnovers per game. Uh, they only have 10 turnovers per game, so they're not going to make a lot of mistakes. They're extremely well coached by Jay Wright. Uh, and this is the number one free throw shooting team in America. So when I'm seeing a number at five or even less than that, depending on what you're getting it at, um, you know, I can back Villanova here. I like them. I don't think Ohio State is going to be effective shooting the ball once again. Uh, if they come out and, and have a complete flip of the game they had against Loyola University, I, I'll tip my cap to them. But the handicap here to me says trust Villanova's defense, trust their three-point shooting, their their free throw shooting, um, that they will be able to, to, to keep this Ohio State team in the low 60s. And if they do that, um, it's not a stretch for Villanova to get to 70. But, you know, again, I'm looking at like a 69-62 kind of final in this game for Villanova. So I'm going to back the Wildcats today to move on to the Sweet 16. Third game on the schedule, Michigan State at Duke. And, oh, by the way, we're sitting here looking at this weird situation here where you could get Ohio State and Michigan State, um, you know, in, in the uh, in the Sweet 16, you know, headed on a collision course uh, along the way. But 
just quirky um, that we're looking at. Uh, also, possibly Ohio State and Michigan playing each other in the Sweet 16. So Big Ten teams that I thought were all going to be out of here uh, are hanging around. Look, Duke is the better team offensively and defensively. Um, they're laying a larger number here at six and a half uh, at a total of 144. Uh, and some of these numbers today, by the way, feel a little bit chalky, all of them, at least in these first four games. They feel kind of chalky numbers. Like I thought I was going to see a little bit more variance in them, and I didn't. Um, Duke is number six in scoring in America. They're number six in field goal percentage, number six in assists. I mean, this is an offense here that's pretty complete. Uh, you got Paolo Banchero. You know, how does Michigan State defend him? He's a very complete player. Michigan State survived, um, you know, shooting 47% from the field by Davidson and over 40% from three. Uh, I don't know if they can withstand that again two games in a row uh, from a good shooting team like Duke. The real question for the Blue Devils is, is their defense back to normal? They've allowed 83 points per game um, in their prior 10 games to their prior to their first tournament game. Like they take care of Cal State Fullerton with very little sweat. But in the 10 games prior to that, their defense has been falling apart. And that's the real question when they're going to face a another legitimate team like Michigan State, will their defense be giving up in the high 70s and 80s again? If they don't get that fixed, there's, there's no way to back Duke in this spot. And that's why I just I, I can't do it. Um, I don't want to back Michigan State because I don't trust their offense. So there'll be no play on this game for me. But again, when I look at the handicap, Michigan State has not played well offensively. Uh, I, I don't like the way that they are living and dying by the three and they have for the better part of the second half of this season. Um, but Duke's defense, to me, I'll call into question against any legitimate shooting team, and Michigan State still is a legitimate shooting team. And so I am sort of on pause on this one. Uh, maybe I could look at the total and, and go over the 144, but it'd probably be something I'd live bet more than anything. And that's the only way I'd really approach this game is from a live betting situation. Michigan State gets into an early lead. I can back Duke when the number gets a little bit smaller for them to come back and win the thing. I think that's a fair approach. Uh, same thing with the total. If it starts out low and the number comes down, I think they'll get right in the second half. Finally, um, the other game today, uh, at least in the first four, that a kickoff. Number 11, Iowa State against number three, Wisconsin. Wisconsin laying four and a half uh, with a total of 126, two of the best defenses in America. Iowa State, number 20 scoring defense, giving up 62 points per game. And you have Wisconsin, the number 79 scoring defense at 66 points per game. Iowa State is Terrible on the boards. 311th in America in rebounding. Huge advantage, Wisconsin. Wisconsin also is the best team in America at taking care of the basketball. They have the fewest turnovers per game in the nation at just 8.4 turnovers. Both of these teams are bad from three. This game's going to be ugly. Uh, and the way I'm going to approach it is this. You know, as we're starting to see some of these second-round games, they're playing a second game in three days. It's a short handicap. I think a lot of unders are going to come in. I'm going to play the first half under. Iowa State scored 24 points in the first half of their game. Wisconsin, I'm sorry, Wisconsin scored 24 points. Iowa State scored 28. On tired legs, I'm going to back that trend again. I'm going to take the first half under in this game here. Number looking at like 63, 64. Uh, neither one of these teams should get to 30. I'm going to play the first half under between Iowa State and Wisconsin. Defenses will play tight, and I think that's the way you'll see the game go out uh, to start. So we'll play first half under. Uh, the rest of the game, I'll stay off if you don't like either one of these teams offensively. I'll probably lean on Wisconsin uh, in that spot. All right, those are the first games on the schedule. We'll get to the next four games coming up for uh, the end of the show. Coming up next, what will NFL division odds look like when the quarterback carousel stops? That's next here on Point Spread Saturday on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. 
is Point Spread Sunday on VSEN, the Sports Betting Network. Get everything you need to bet the madness this year with 24-7 streaming, daily best bet emails, and our tournament betting guide, including advice, data, and strategy for only $19. Whether you're filling out a bracket or betting against the spread, our team is here to get you ready for every game and every round of the NCAA tournament. Get analysis from our experts, including Greg Hoops-Peterson, Matt Humans, Jonathan Van Tobel, and Tim Murray. They have insights on every key team, conference, and player to watch. From the favorites to the potential Cinderella's, sign up today. You get the betting guide plus full access to VSIN through the end of the tournament on April 5th for only $19 at VSIN.com slash madness. Welcome back in to Point Spread Sunday. I am Mark Zeno, and it's complete madness that I don't know what day of the week it is. I keep confusing Point Spread Saturday and Point Spread Sunday, but yes, folks. It is Sunday. Nonetheless, the madness is here. And let's stay with the NCAA tournament here. We'll put a pause, get to the NFL. I'm sorry, coming up in about 15 minutes here. But Greg Hoops-Peterson is joining us on Point Spread Sunday to look at the games on the schedule for today. Welcome in, Greg. Great to talk to you as always. Starting with the first game of the day between Illinois and Houston. Uh, The lone higher-seeded team catching points today, four and a half, as Houston is the favorite, Illinois is the dog. Really, I think, one of the tougher games to handicap. And I think, honestly, it's decided down low. How much can Houston's front line, uh, when you look at Fabian White Jr., Josh Carlton, take care of Kofi Cockburn, and how much will they be able to limit him, uh, I think is really kind of where this game settles in. I think so as well. And I do think that you have to take a look at Illinois and the fact that you've got a trio of guards. Jacob Granderson, who's been dealing with a little bit of an injury, along with Trent Frazier, and then you've got Alfonso Plummer. All these guys do shoot above 80% the free throw line. And with Houston, big bugaboo with this team. They shoot right around 67.5% the free throw line. That's in the bottom 40 in all of college basketball. So if this is a game that comes down to the spread, you really don't want to be trusting in Houston in the spot, in my opinion, because they are so bad at the free throw line. Meanwhile, for Kofi Coburn, absolutely amazing year. 20 and a half points, 10 and a half rebounds per game. Now, Houston, number one in the country with regards to percentage of their misses that they wind up getting an offensive rebound on. But with Houston as well, you take a look at the level of competition, just not quite that of Illinois. Now, Illinois, they don't necessarily have the metrics that Houston does, but I would argue that Houston has benefited a little bit more from playing a little bit of an easier level of competition. This is a line that I said at two and a half. I ultimately do think that Houston winds up getting the job done, but wrote this up for DK Nation. I am on the points here with Illinois. And when it comes to the total, I do think that it's going to be close enough that you wind up getting some late game following. Got a Houston team that they do rank in the top 10 in terms of points scored on a per possession basis. Illinois has been shaky on defense, but solid on offense. So I also take a look at the total. I like it over. Yeah, again, I, I would lean Illinois. I wouldn't even mind a money line sprinkle at plus 175. I think there's some value there uh, with them as a dog. I would hate Illinois as a favorite in this spot, but certainly I think when they're an underdog, it's a little bit different. Uh, speaking of favorites, Villanova, next game on the schedule is they are taking on uh, Ohio State. Villanova laying five. I just trust Villanova's defense here. You know, Ohio State, for uh, as good of a three-point shooting team that they were, they went one for 15 from three uh, in a win over Loyola Chicago. That's not going to cut it again. I think Villanova's defense from the three-point line is critical here in this game. They'll be able to keep Ohio State in check from shooting the three. Villanova, the best free-throw shooting team. That matters when you're dealing with a small number where we are right now. So uh, I'm going to back the Wildcats here today and lay the five. And I'm glad that you pointed out the free throw shooting 82 and a half percent at the free throw line for Villanova by far the best in all of college basketball. Now, Ohio State, they're not slouches at the line either. They shoot right around 76 percent at the free throw line. So they do a solid job there. But you do take a look at this Ohio State team. 
it's a bunch that coming into the NCAA tournament prior to that game against Loyola Chicago outside the top 200 with guards points a lot on a per possession basis. They just have not been good. And I would say that in that game against Loyola Chicago, sure, they want to play in a little bit of defense, but that was just Loyola Chicago being as cold as cold can be as well. So that was a really, really bad game to watch. So I do take a look at Villanova and I do think that when it comes to outside of what you're able to find on a statue, you've got a fifth year senior in Colin Gillespie. Two years ago, the NCAA tournament was robbed of him due to COVID-19. Obviously, wound up having that for all these guys. But last year, winds up going down late in the season with an injury. And even without him, Villanova made the Sweet 16. They really gave Baylor their toughest fight of the NCAA tournament. Jay Wright is a guy that I really trust as a coach. Chris Holtman, it's been a little bit more shaky recently. So I'm with you. I like Villanova. I'm seeing a couple of fives emerge. Certainly willing to lay the points here with Villanova. I want to make them a touchdown favorite. Uh, Michigan State and Duke, I think the one question to answer is, is Duke's defense back to normal? I mentioned before they gave up 83 points per game over the last 10 games of the season. No problems with Cal State Fullerton, but Michigan State may be a little bit of a different animal. Oh, absolutely. And you've got a Florida team that's in the bottom 100 with regards to possessions per game, a team that really doesn't shoot the three-point shot well. Michigan State, they've been a little bit cold recently, but they are a top 33-point shooting team as well. And it's really an interesting Michigan State team in that they don't have that one headline guy. Gabe Brown is the only guy in this roster that's able to give you double figures, but Ty Walker is able to shoot 47% from three-point range. You've also got someone like Malik Hall is able to shoot 43.5% from distance. Big thing for Michigan State is being able to take care of the ball. The 13 turnovers per game has hurt them, but if there's one thing that Duke does not do well, it's Sports turnovers, 305th in college basketball in terms of turnovers force on a per possession basis. I do think that Duke is going to be able to get the job done, but beyond that as well, when you take a look at the psyche of these Duke players as well, how much are they going to be affected knowing that this is the last season for Coach K? Is it going to be a positive motivator or could it be something that causes them to be? I guess you caught a little bit more rattled under the stage as well. You don't want to be the guys that wind up ending Coach K's season a little bit prematurely. I did want to sing this line at five and a half, so going to be willing to ride with the points in this spot. Here at 145, I think we've gotten a little bit too lofty. I think that Duke playing a little bit better on defense. I lean towards the under, and I do like Michigan State catching the points. Uh, we looked at a game last night between Arkansas and New Mexico State that, you know, uh, the shooting set basketball back 20 years. Uh, that was on accident. It wasn't planned that way. Uh, we're making a game like that today on purpose between Iowa State and Wisconsin where nobody's making a lot of buckets. A quick handicapper that I put together, Greg, was simply that. I'm going to take the first half under. I think both these teams defensively will lean on that coming out. I think both offenses will be very, very careful and not take a lot of bad possessions, not take a lot of shots. They'll be very careful with the ball. Uh, neither one of these teams got the 30 in their first round matchup in the first half. So I'm going to play the first half under between Iowa state and Wisconsin. I think that's a smart way to go because if you wind up having say a six to eight point game with a minute left to go, you know, what's happening there. It's going to be a March of the free throw line and not even the lowest total on the day because you've actually got out there in the NIT, by the way, North Texas versus Virginia, one ten and a half total. So wow. boy, oh boy, if you're taking that under, you're a hearty soul. But with that said, with this game, I do look at Wisconsin and 
I think that it's just so big that they're playing this game in Milwaukee. You saw it a few years ago when they wanted to play against Oregon. That was a game that led them to the final four. It looked like they were dead and buried. That was with Frank Kaminsky and company. And I would argue that the single biggest reason why Wisconsin got by in that game was due to the crowd. You saw it really come to the forefront once again against Colgate. So I do think that the fact that this is in Wisconsin, you should be awarding a little bit of home court advantage here to the Wisconsin Badgers and Johnny Davis. No doubt he's going to be the best player out there on the floor. A guy that when he's actually been away from Madison is averaging 23 and a half points, shooting just below 40% from three-point range with eight and a half rebounds per game. I would argue that he's the most meaningful player to his respective team in all of college basketball. And it's an Iowa State team that out of all teams that want to making the NCAA tournament as an at-large bid, they've got the worst offensive efficiency of any of them. A team that does a good job of being able to generate steals, but in terms of turnovers per offensive play, Wisconsin, fewest with regards to a percentage in all of college basketball, I think that Wisconsin protects the ball and that allows them to be able to cover this number. I'm willing to lay up to six with the Badgers. All right. Uh, some of the late games here, Notre Dame catching eight against Texas tech um, statistically one of the best defenses in America, you know, but I look at this game, Greg, and I think Notre Dame is exactly the right team to keep it close. They're very good with the basketball. Uh, they're great uh, from an efficiency standpoint on offense. They won't make a lot of bad decisions. Uh, this is an offense that's averaged 84 points per game over their last 10, so they're playing up a little bit. I know Texas Tech's defense is really good. It just feels like it's a lot of points, and I don't know if the Texas Tech offense is going to be able to separate from Notre Dame in this game. I'm going to back the Irish here getting the points. This is a spot in which I am on Texas Tech, but anything north of eight and I'd be out on this game just because you did say it. With regards to Texas Tech, it is a team that's relatively shaky on offense. Now, points allowed on a per-possession basis away from home, Texas Tech, number one team in all of college basketball. And what I didn't like what I saw from Notre Dame is the fact that they did wind up having those 18 turnovers against Alabama. So they've been playing a little bit faster. They've been able to get points up on the board, but at the same time, they have been turning the ball over a little bit more as well. And I do think that Texas Tech going to do a good job of being able to rebound by committee. Bryson Williams is a guy that I like. He's able to give you 14 points, four and a half boards, shoots it well from three-point range. And a big key for the Texas Tech team is C.J. Shannon really being able to come on. Shoots 39% from three. has been banged up for much of the year. So I do think that that's going to give Texas Tech a little bit of an added dimension on offense. Real quick, about 30 seconds. Is Auburn going home today, or will they survive in advance? I think that Auburn survives and advances. I'm going to be willing to take the points here with Miami. I think that we've gotten up a little bit too lofty. Auburn should be able to control things down low, but Miami, a team that does a very good job of being able to protect the ball. So I'm going to be taking the points, but I think Auburn advances. All right, Greg Hoops-Peterson, make sure you guys give him a follow on Twitter to get all of his information on the NCAA tournament. Good luck with all your games today, Greg. I appreciate the time. As always, brother, stay well. You as well, Mark. Thank you. All right, coming up next, uh, we'll, we'll pivot here, get to the NFL, uh, as we'll look at some of the odds for teams should they get a new quarterback. That's coming up next. I am Mark Zinno. Follow me on Twitter, at Mark Zinno. This is Sports Spread Sunday on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. 
As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds, it was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on the Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids, but I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. This is Point Spread Sunday on VSEN, the sports betting network. Wendy's and Adult Swim's Rick and Morty are teaming up to invite Las Vegas locals and basketball fans to get shrifty at the first ever Morty's Mayhem pop-up this weekend only. At the Resorts World East Garden Plaza, the immersive experience brings the show off the screen and onto the strip with never-before-seen animations of Wendy's breakfast characters in the Rick and Morty universe and the return of the elusive Pickle Rick, Pickle Frosty. Boom, the big reveal. While in the alternate universe, fans can also play a life-size game of Plinko, score exclusive swag, and try items from Wendy's delicious menu lineup. Check out Wendy's Morty's Mayhem at Resorts World through Sunday right here in Las Vegas. Welcome back in to Point Spread Sunday. I am Mark Zinno. Again, give me a follow on Twitter at Mark Zinno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. Coming up here in a little more than 15 minutes, I'll get you the other four games, my handicap of the other four games of the NCAA tournament for today uh, as we look forward to the Sweet 16. Of course, we've got NBA to get to next hour as well as we get a slate, I think, of uh, eight or nine games today in the NBA. So we'll handicap a couple of those as well. Uh, Ian McMillan, from Betsided Senior Editor will join us next hour as well as we continue to look at the games today uh, in the second round of the NCAA tournament. Of course, again, all my official plays coming up in the final segment of the show here on Point Spread Sunday, right before 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific. And again, thank you for starting your Sunday morning with us here on Point Spread Sunday. Okay, uh, let's go pivot here, go to the NFL as, as we continue to look at odds, move and shift uh, as the quarterback carousel continues to spin. 
the Cleveland Browns, obviously notable odds have shift, shifted at plus 850, uh, and they are now the favorite to win the AFC North at plus 155. And I got to tell you, I mean, this to me, to win the division, I think is a bad play. Um, with the Ravens now sitting at plus 200, I would take them. I, I still think there's a good chance Deshaun Watson gets suspended. And if it's for a six or eight game suspension, if he's going to miss, you know, 40% to 50% of the season, it's going to be tough for Cleveland to win the division because they may just dig themselves into a, a, a hole or get far enough behind that it'd be really tough for them to get out of. They're going to need a ton of help to be able to do it. Now, is it impossible? Could they stick with Case Keenum and go four and four or five and three straight up and, and, uh, and hang around? Yeah, it is, but it's just, it's not a spot I would feel comfortable. Now, again, if they had Deshaun Watson for the entire season, of course, Cleveland would be the favorite. But nonetheless, uh, I think it's, you know, just some of this odds movement that we've seen since these quarterbacks have started to to move and change positions, um, I think is a little bit interesting. Let's take a look at some of these teams here that are still rumored to have uh, quarterback changes coming to see if you can find some value uh, when it does happen, because you'd have to get it in now uh, before the move happens, because once it does, obviously the line will shift. But, you know, you look at the Indianapolis Colts, for example. You know, this is a team that uh, when you look at them to win the division, very short odds right now at plus 150. Uh, again, which I, 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 I assuming that it's baked into the line a little bit um, that they're leaving it at plus 150 because that they're going to make a quarterback change. Uh, if they're going to the quarterback and going to the season with the quarterback situation right now as it is, isn't it Jacoby Brissett as, as their starter, which we know that they're not going to do. Uh, it's just a question of which guy they land. Now, is there a huge difference between them landing Matt Ryan per se versus Baker Mayfield? Yeah, I, I think there's a, a massive difference uh, with Matt Ryan. I, I think they could win that division easily with Baker Mayfield. It's a, eh, it's a little bit of a toss up. So, you know, uh, there's, there's a difference between those two quarterbacks there, but again, you know, they're plus 150. Tennessee right now plus 110. And part of the reason why those odds are so short is because the other two teams in that division, Jacksonville and Houston, are going to be awful. So it's a two-horse race. So I, I get why the odds are where they are. Uh, look at a team like the Carolina Panthers. Uh, they are plus 1,400 right now to win their division. Now, more of that stands to reason because of Tom Brady coming back uh, to be with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But... Again, these are odds that could change if they end up upgrading from Sam Darnold. Um, do they want Baker Mayfield? Do they want Jimmy G? Uh, is there a, a path for them to go forward? Matt Rule, the head coach of the Carolina Panthers, swung and missed uh, big time kind of with Sam Darnold. Uh, I, I think most of us have hopped off that train. I think he's still a really talented quarterback. Uh, it's just never been a good fit and a good situation for him. And of course, he's never been able to stay healthy long enough to really give you a good sample set if he can elevate and start to play better um, the Seahawks at plus 1100. Uh, and it just go, goes to tell you what odds makers think of Tom Brady. You know, the NFC West is, is, is a division with the defending Super Bowl champs, the other NFC championship game contender, Kyler Murray, one of the better quarterbacks in the league. Uh, and they have shorter odds to win the division. Than the Carolina Panthers do against Tom Brady in the NFC South. Uh, Seattle may need a quarterback. What will happen when they, um, land somebody if they land somebody uh if they were to land baker mayfield if they were to land 
um, Jimmy G or Matt Ryan. I doubt that Jimmy G would end up in Seattle. I, I would be maniacal for Seattle to trade Jimmy G with uh, for San Francisco rather to trade Jimmy G within the division. Um, but where do these guys go and, and where do they land and has it changed their odds? And is Seattle even a team that you want to uh, back regardless of the situation? You know, again, it, it's very tough to figure out uh, what's going to happen. I'm still surprised that the, the Steelers are really going to run this season with Mitch Trubisky at quarterback. I still think there's value with them um, because uh, it's the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're well coached. They're they're great defensively. Uh, and they were a team again last year that uh, Ben Roethlisberger didn't drag them to the postseason. They dragged Ben Roethlisberger to the postseason. Uh, is Mitchell Trubisky an upgrade from Ben Roethlisberger? I'd probably say the last year's version of Ben Roethlisberger, it's about even. Um, and they still won the division. So maybe there's some value there as well. I told you, I don't think there's a lot of value on the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, they're probably overpriced at this point, just given the run that they went on. Uh, I, I think you find value in the Washington Commanders at plus 450 with Carson Wentz. Could they win that division? As I've said for weeks now, betting on the Washington Commanders isn't really betting on, on Carson Wentz. It's betting on their defense. If their defense is right and healthy and gets back to where it was two years ago, then that is a team absolutely that can win the division. If Chase Young, Montez Sweat and company, and the edge rushers there um, are as effective as they were two years ago, one of the best teams in the league at, at sacking the quarterback, they will be fine and have a great chance to win the division. But they won't be able to do it if their defense played like it did last year. So I think, again, with Carson Wentz, you're getting an upgrade at quarterback, and that's really all they needed. If their defense is good, I think you're going to be good. I think there's a couple other places you can look um, for quarterback changes to happen. Uh, possibly Detroit, would they move off Jared Goff? Uh, would, would those lines move greatly? Probably not, just because uh, of the division that they're in with, with Aaron Rodgers and Kirk Cousins, uh, and then Justin Fields as well with Chicago. But, you know, I'm not sure where the rest of these guys go, and I'm not really sure what the market is um, for. If it's not Indianapolis, I'm not sure what the market is for Matt Ryan, Jimmy G, or Baker Mayfield. Is there a market out there for him? Does Baker Mayfield get a chance to start somewhere? Um, I don't know. I, I really don't know the answer to that at this point in time. I would I would find it hard-pressed to think that a team is going, if they haven't decided to move off of the quarterback that they have already, um, then I don't know that they're going to do it. Again, Pittsburgh, to me, seems like the most logical spot uh, after you bring in Mitchell Trubisky. Is it... Are Matt Ryan, Jimmy G, and Baker Mayfield's upgrades over Trubisky? I think so. But are you willing to do that to the guy after you put your faith in him and sign him uh, to a contract that you're going to move off of him again? It, it, teams don't like to do that. It makes them look foolish. I don't know why. It, to me, it's it's crazy. If you have a better chance to, to upgrade your quarterback, you do it. That's what the Falcons did. Uh, and they were left standing at the altar. They had a chance to upgrade from Matt Ryan to Deshaun Watson, and they went all in to do it, and it didn't work. Uh, is Matt Ryan going to take another snap in a Falcons uniform? I would say no. He's probably not. Um, and he may, you know, want to sit this thing out. I mean, he's made a ton of money. If he's if he's mad enough at the organization, say, hey, man, you can go at it with Felipe Franks or Josh Rosen or whatever, but I'm not playing another game in a Falcons uniform. I don't think anybody would think he's wrong for that. Um, I don't know if necessarily the Falcons did him dirty. You know, this is a team that paid him nearly $300 million worth of contracts uh, already. So uh, to say that they got they got did dirty, nah, I don't know that they did them dirty. They probably could have handled it a little bit better, but I'm never going to fault a team for trying to upgrade a quarterback. It's the most important position on the field, and teams that do it and do it well uh, end up being good beneficiaries or beneficiaries of it. Look at the Arizona Cardinals. They had Josh Rosen. Didn't look like it worked. The very next year, where they do, they drafted Kyler Murray. It was an upgrade. It's worked out in their favor. 
So uh, are they a playoff team last year with Josh? No, probably not. And so now you're looking at a situation where, you know, this is a uh, uh, some of these teams have a chance to upgrade with Matt Ryan, Jimmy G or Baker Mayfield. Are they willing to do it? Uh, I don't know. Uh, again, it's going to be interesting to see where these quarterbacks land. Uh, and, and if Matt Ryan and Jimmy G stay put, uh, is Baker Mayfield's only landing spot Indianapolis? Uh, I think we'll figure out here over the next coming days and weeks, but it's going to be certainly interesting to see um, where that wheel stops spinning. All right, coming up next, uh, get to the other four games of the NCAA tournament's second round. We gave you the first wall, recap the picks there as well. Uh, we got lots more to do here. Our number two of Point Spread Sunday coming up. Give me a follow on Twitter at Mark Zinno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O, and make sure you stay with us here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscore team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony DeLisandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it gonna, like that's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. 